like for you to find Galatians chapter 2 in your Bibles and then um, Acts chapter 15. While you're doing that, I um, would like to ask you to pray for uh, Gail's aunt, uh, Shirley McSwain. Shirley's husband passed away Thursday evening and we were able to go over to Albemarle this afternoon and spend a little time with her, but we would appreciate your prayers for her. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we ask You to teach us from Your Word tonight. Um, we're in such need of that, and the things that we're going to talk about are critical for us to see, especially in these days of deception. And so we ask You to be our teacher tonight and to show us the things we need to see. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, we want to come back to our studies of Galatians 2 and Acts chapter 15. And um, at least for the most part, finish our comparison of these two chapters. And what we have seen is that this 14-year period that Paul mentions in Galatians 2 and verse 1, after which he went up to Jerusalem, uh, it corresponds to the events that we read about in, in Acts chapter 15. And um, I think as I mentioned um, earlier in these studies, there is some level of controversy about that, but I believe it's evident, as we'll see again tonight, that um, these two chapters do correspond. And um, so what we have in Galatians chapter 2 is Paul's commentary uh, inspired by the Spirit of God on the events that took place there in Acts chapter 15. Um, what we've seen in our previous <clears throat> studies is that these Pharisees that we read about here in verse 5, certain of the sect of the Pharisees, these false brethren, that's what the Spirit of God calls them in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 4. And he calls them false brethren because they preached a false gospel, another gospel. That's what Paul calls it in Galatians 1 and verse 6. And the false gospel, the other gospel that they preached, we see here in Acts chapter 15 and verse 1. They preach that except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. And they believe that to the point that when Paul comes to Jerusalem with Titus, who was a Gentile, these false brethren want to compel Titus to be circumcised. He is the test case, so to speak. He's 
the, the, the person over which these two diametrically opposed sides, law, salvation by works, and salvation by grace through faith apart from any works, they meet over this man in Jerusalem. Does he have to be circumcised to be saved? Or has he already been saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? And so Paul says in Galatians 2.5, if you've got your place there, look at it. He says there, um, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Paul stood firm on the gospel of Christ. He would not surrender the truth of the gospel. He would not go along to get along. And he tells us the reason here in verse 5. That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. As we mentioned, I think, in our last message, what was at stake here was the truth of the gospel. If Paul had agreed to circumcise Titus, then the truth of the gospel, that salvation is by grace, through faith, without works, any works of the flesh, then that could not continue. If Paul had given in and circumcised Titus, then it would have been true what he said in verse 2, that he was running and indeed had run in vain. This is why he earnestly contended for the faith. And as a result, these uh, false brethren who had um, come in unawares, they were exposed. And I'll mention again because I think it's so important for us to think about these false brethren had crept into the first church in the New Testament. The church that was born on the day of Pentecost. The church at Jerusalem. That's where these false brethren had come in. And if it can happen to that church with the apostles in it, Peter and James and John, and the others, then it can certainly happen here. And so, these false teachers come in teaching that except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. And Paul rejected this. He earnestly contended for the faith privately in conference to them which were of reputation and publicly. There was much disputing about this. And um, I believe Paul's stand empowered Peter. It emboldened Peter. We saw Peter's defense of the gospel of grace. If you look back at Acts chapter 15, we saw it in verses 7 through 11. And Peter says Titus doesn't have to be circumcised to be saved. He says his heart is purified by faith. 
He is saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says in verse 11, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. There's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. God has concluded all under sin. And the message of the gospel is the same to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Peter contends for the faith. And we saw what happened when he did that. Look at verse 12 of Acts chapter 15. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after that, and after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God did at the first visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. James is referring to uh, Peter back in Acts chapter 10 going to uh, the house of Cornelius. And he says in verse 15, James says that this is a fulfillment of prophecy. And to this agree the words of the prophet as it is written. He's going to be quoting from the book of Amos. And notice the first two words of verse 16. After this, after this, after God visits the Gentiles, after He takes out of them a people for His name, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. What James is describing is this church age. What he is describing is the times of the Gentiles. The time when God deals with the Gentiles. He's describing this church age that we're living in right now. You remember, I believe, back in Acts chapter 13 that Paul and Barnabas said, listen, it was meet that we first come to the Jews and minister to them. But you have rejected that message and lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And when the fullness of the Gentiles is come in, when this church age is over, then God is going to again deal with Israel. And verses 16 and 17 will come to pass. And so in the light of what James understands from the Old Testament Scriptures, that it is prophesied that the, the Lord is going to visit the Gentiles and He's going to take out of them a people for His name, then His sentence, His spoken words to this gathering in, in verse 19 are these, Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. And it's his and the other apostles and elders, it's their written word as well in this letter that they're going to send to the Gentiles. Look at verse 24. 
For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, Ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. And so James and the apostles and elders are very clear. They're very clear that salvation is through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from any work of the flesh without keeping the law. So the truth of the gospel uh, wins the day. And those who preach that except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved are are rejected. They're defeated, if you will. They're rebuked. But there's something here in verse 20 that I'd like to mention to you. A thought. I believe that it's directly related to an incident that takes place in Galatians chapter 2. And and again, um, it's why seeing the connection between these two chapters is so important. Let's read it at Acts chapter 15 and verse 19. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble them not, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. But, but, I've highlighted the word but in my Bible. Because verse 19 is an unconditional statement. We're not going to trouble these Gentile believers. We we aren't, as Peter said in verse 10, going to put a yoke upon the neck of these disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. And what is the yoke? that Peter is talking about and that this council rejected. Well, look at uh, verse uh, 5 of chapter uh, 15. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. James, in his spoken word to this gathering, rejects that in verse 19. And the apostles and elders reject that in their letter. Look at verse 24 again. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. So Peter says, look, we... We can't saddle these people with that yoke. It's a yoke that our fathers couldn't bear. It's a yoke that we can't bear. We can't keep the law. So verse 19 and verse 24 are unconditional statements. And then we come to this word, but, in verse 20. And we're going to read about some conditions here. But, that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. 
Now the first part of this verse, abstaining from pollutions of idols, abstaining from meats offered to idols, and from fornication, that has a direct application to these Gentile believers. Paul wrote to uh, the Corinthians, and he said in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 2, "Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols. Now that word dumb means voiceless. It means without the ability to speak. It doesn't mean lacking intelligence or good judgment. It doesn't mean stupid or dull-witted. Although that certainly does apply to idols. So Paul says, you carried away under these dumb idols. Even as you were led. He wrote to the Thessalonian believers in, in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Idols were part of the old grave clothes of these Gentile believers. And they needed to be removed. James uh, mentions fornication with the pollution of idols because in many cases, fornication, these illicit sexual relations and ritual rituals were part of the pagan and blasphemous worship that took place in these temples where these Gentiles worshipped these idols. And so these believers needed to come out from these things and be separate from them. I believe that James's words here bring to mind what he writes in his epistle. That true faith, saving faith, has evidence. It has evidence that manifests itself in the life. He said in James 2.18, I will show thee my faith by my works. And if faith is not manifest in our life by our works, if it's not manifest in our life by a change of mind that results in a change of heart, that results in a change of direction in the life, then that faith is dead. It's a false profession. There's evidence for salvation. Works will not save us. We aren't saved by works. But if we are saved, there will be works in our life. There will be fruit in our life that is born as evidence that we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. It's a good time for us to think about that. We profess to know the Lord. Is there proof in our life? Is there evidence in our life? Are there works that are manifested from a heart that has been changed by the blood of Christ, that's been washed in the blood of the Lamb? In the letter to these Gentiles at Antioch, in verse 29, it says that ye abstain from meats offered to idols. Paul wrote about this extensively in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 
verses 19 through 22, which really sum up this issue of eating meats offered to idols. Paul wrote in those verses, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. And so this but that goes with the first part of verse 20 is a very practical thing. It's very applicable to these Gentile believers. It's an admonition to demonstrate their faith by separating themselves from the old life, by demonstrating that they are indeed new creatures in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. But it's the and here in verse 20 that I'd like to call your attention to. It's the and and the condition that it imposes that is, I believe, a problem. Verse 20. But that we write... Well, let's read verse 19 again. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Abstaining from things strangled and from blood is part of the law. Now the letter that they're sending out rejects those that command you must be circumcised and keep the law. And yet here's James in his sentence. And then later in the letter telling these Gentile believers that they need to keep part of the law. So what seems to be happening here is a compromise. It's agreed that the Gentiles do not have to be circumcised to be saved. But there is a concession that is made to these Jews who believe that the law of Moses must be kept. Now I have a note in my Bible, it's it's a heading, I guess, between verse 27 and 28 that says, of course it's not inspired, it's a note that's added by um, Mr. Schofield. It says, Gentile believers must not give offense to godly Jews. But Paul does not call these of the sect of the Pharisees, godly Jews. He calls them false brethren. He calls them troublers of God's people and those that pervert the gospel of Christ in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 7. So James and the apostles and elders shouldn't make concessions to them. They shouldn't compromise with these Pharisees. When they say... um, My sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. When they say that they gave no commandment to these who were out troubling them that they needed to keep the law, then that's the end. Period. Now I want us to see the result 
of this compromise back in Galatians chapter 2. But before we do, we want to notice a couple of other verses here that, that are important to see. This council ends and the decision is made to send the letter to the Gentiles by Paul and Barnabas along with Judas and Silas. Now look at verse 30. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. Notice that, if you will. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. I believe the consolation that these Gentiles are rejoicing over is that this council in Jerusalem has confirmed the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel that they had believed, that they'd been saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. Now, before we leave here, um, something else that we need to take back to Galatians chapter 2 is how Dr. Luke makes it very clear that after this conference in Jerusalem, Paul, along with these others, goes to Antioch. We mentioned that in verse 30. We see it in verse 34. Well, let's read it, verse 33. And after they had tarried there a space, that's Antioch, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. Notwithstanding it pleased Silas to abide there still. There is Antioch. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Now, let's go back to Galatians chapter 2. And let's notice, if you will, verse 9. Let's read there. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars perceived the grace that was given unto me. They gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. Now, look at verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, let's stop right there. Antioch is where Paul and Barnabas were after the council in Jerusalem ended. That's where they went. They went to Antioch. We just read about that in Acts chapter 15. And this is important to notice because I believe it's another proof, if you will, that Galatians 2 and Acts 15 are talking about the same event. Verse 11 tells us that Peter comes to Antioch. And verse 12 tells us that Peter ate with the Gentiles and the other Jews that either were there in Antioch or that came with Peter to Antioch. Um, We don't know which that is. But they did the same thing. They ate and they fellowshiped with the Gentiles. But something happened. And what happened is there in verse 12. 
For before that certain came from James, he, Peter, did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself. Why? Why? Why did Peter separate himself? Why did he leave the table and, and, and stop fellowshipping with the Gentiles? Well, notice the next words. Fearing them which were of the circumcision. Now, who were these people? I believe they are the people that James made concession to. I believe they're the people that the apostles and the elders made concession to in this letter that was written. They are the people who these leaders in the church of Jerusalem compromised with back in Acts chapter 15. They came from James and they came to Antioch and they came to Antioch empowered by this compromise that was made in Acts 15 and verse 20 where we read just a little bit ago well verse 19 again wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God we can't trouble them with a yoke Peter said that we couldn't bear our fathers couldn't bear it James says the same thing but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Verse 24, For as much as ye have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words subverting your souls, saying, Ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, except, except, but, abstain from things strangled and from blood. Just observe this little part of the law. That's all. And what I want us to see here is the fruit of compromise. The fruit of compromise. It's confusion. It's hypocrisy. Look at uh, back in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 13. So Peter gets up. He separates himself from these Gentiles. Verse 13, And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. Peter's a leader. And so he leaves and these other Jews say, Well, we need to leave too if he's leaving. Insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation, with their hypocrisy. This is the fruit of compromise, confusion, and hypocrisy. So when these of the circumcision come, Peter separates himself. Barnabas is carried away with their dissimulation. This is ever the fruit of compromise. It's hypocrisy. It's walking not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. That's what Paul says in verse 14. It's confusion in the minds of believers who witnessed this. Imagine what these Gentile believers there in Antioch were thinking when they saw this. 
How would you feel if you were sitting at a banquet table and you were eating with someone and this other group comes in and they, they get up and leave? They don't want to be seen with you. Think about what these believers, these Gentile believers were thinking. Well, which is it? Do we keep the law or do we not keep the law? Which is it? This is why Paul, as he says in verse 12, or rather verse 11, withstood Peter to the face because he was to be blamed. Folks, the Apostle Paul, he he was an amazing man. He loved Peter. He loved him enough to tell him the truth. And it's a lesson here, a couple of lessons. One is, don't follow man. Do not follow men. Men are fallible. And men make mistakes. I believe James made a mistake. Now you may not agree with that, and that's fine. If you read the commentaries, you'll find the commentaries that say I'm a kook um, about this. I just believe there's a connection here between these two chapters and what took place and saying that we're not going to burden them and then burdening them just to make a concession to these Jews that were there. Now understand the book of Acts is a transitional book between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I understand that. But Paul didn't see it that way, did he? He didn't see that this was some little something, well, that's just Peter. Peter's Peter's, uh, uh, ministry is to the Jews and mine's to the Gentiles. So when these folks come down here from Jerusalem, he's got to go somewhere else. The Jews that were with him, they've got to go somewhere else. They can't. No, no, no. He didn't see it that way. Peter needed to be withstood because he was to be blamed. Folks, any time we compromise, we're to be blamed. We're to be blamed. Now, Lord willing, when we get back to these verses again, and it'll be, I guess, a few weeks maybe, we want to look at Paul's, I think, incredible words to Peter. Because it's one of the most... Amazing defenses of the gospel of the grace of God that you'll ever read. But until we can get back here and do that, I believe the Lord would have us to see the danger of compromise. The danger of compromise. Small compromise. Good men. Good men. That made this, what we might think of as just this little compromise. Just this little part of the law. Just keep that. And the confusion that it caused. That's the lesson that I, I hope that we'll see from this. There are always many temptations to compromise. The truth of the gospel. Just shave a little off the message here, shave a little bit off there. We do not ever, in any way, need to compromise the truth of the gospel. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to think about these things tonight. And 
We pray that You would help us to consider them carefully. To carefully think about the confusion that was caused in Antioch. Because of what looks like a concession made to people to to whom no concession should have been made. We pray that You would help us to be like the Apostle Paul. He said, Be ye followers of Me as I am also of Christ. And we pray that we would learn from His example to stand and withstand in the face of compromise, to confront it and not be afraid to do that. That the truth of the Gospel be not compromised. We thank You for this church and we thank You for the way that You have preserved it over the years. And we pray that we would continue to look to You to do that in the very few days that we have remaining. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.